Salutations, Mets fans, and welcome to episode 149 of Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, slightly more well-rested tonight than I was last night. <laughs> and with me for our NLCS Game 2 recap is Steve Sippa. Steve, throughout the playoffs on TBS, in addition to endless promos for the Librarian series and the second season of Legends. There's been a plethora of Matthew McConaughey Lincoln commercials, as far as I can tell, are purposely bizarre. So if you could replace Matthew McConaughey in these commercials with any Met, past or present, who would you choose? I would choose Turk Wendell, because I believe that his babbling would be far more entertaining than Matthew McConaughey's babbling. So I see that. I, th- I think they're like going for the true detective thing. Sort of like nonsensical, like it's supposed to be deep but not really deep. Yeah. So I think I mean, Turk Wendell kind of fits in that sort of southern gothic but not really vibe. Plus he's probably crazy enough that he would actually have like, you know, conversations with that bull. Mm. And then he would shoot it and wear its horns as a trophy. Mm. Uh, I, I, so we're getting into range where it's dangerous for me to make this pick because he's getting, in terms of opening questions on this podcast, he's getting into Lucas Duda territory where you can't just keep picking him. But I think it's got to be Bartolo. <laughs> it's like Bartolo. Bartolo like in a full tuxedo like sitting at a poker table. Like, and the entire thing's like him. He doesn't talk. It's all in voiceover. <laughs> it's very sort of, like, earnest. I don't even, like, do, I don't feel like I know what Bartolo sounds like. Like, I must have seen an interview with him at some point. I'm sure he's a man of not many words. Yeah. He seems like that type. Which might fit for these commercials, too. So this is our NLCS Game 2 recap. Spoiler alert, the Mets won again, Steve. Hell yeah. Oh, man. This is the game that you figured, you know, all right, if any games that they're going to lose, it's probably this one. And Yep. Wow. I uh, I just wrapped recording Effectively Wild before starting this. That will go up tomorrow morning. This will go up tonight. But I do have to, like, sort of shift gears a little bit. Because there are certain things I can say on this podcast I probably can't say on Effectively Wild. One of those things is, holy fucking God, did Daniel Murphy buy some magic beans? <laughs> like, any explanation for this I would accept at this point, no matter how ludicrous. It's, I'm sure that's a very likely explanation. 
I was hoping he would go the whole postseason with nothing, but uh, he wouldn't walk at all. He just hit bomb after bomb after bomb. <laughs> right. But then they intentionally walked him in front of Ioannis Suspetis. That is the thing that happened tonight, Steve. Who would have thought? Uh, if any, like if Terry Collins did the equivalent of that. <laughs> I mean, he kind of sort of has, but it's, I think it's always been in front of the pitcher, at least, early in games. Right. Not in front of Ioannis Suspedes. Well, I mean, in their defense, Murphy is on fire, and Suspedes has kind of been not bad, but a little lackluster here so far. It's a week of data. <laughs> Apparently, Daniel Murphy is now very bound. I think the clearest indication to me that something strange is happening here is that he tried to Murph in the first inning by booting a routine ground ball and still made the play. He can do no wrong right now. I don't know how much longer this lasts. It wasn't even a bad pitch from Arietta, really. No. Well. It was a curve like pretty far off the plate, in and down. I think it was probably a harder pitch to hit than the cutter he just hooked foul earlier in the at-bat. Right, well, just good timing on the swing and into that lefty down-and-in power zone. Yep, you just hooked it inside. That's a nice little part of the park. You can... It plays short, I guess is the best way to put it. I mentioned this on Effectively Wild, so you'll probably hear it twice if you listen to both. And I encourage you to listen to both. But... Um, <laughs> Branding. For all the the talk of City Field as like an extreme pitcher's park, you know, after moving the fences in, over the years. That little corner in the left field line, if you can hook balls down there, it's pretty inviting. And Chase Utley basically made a career out of it. That son of a bitch. Um, the Mets just haven't had any like, really extreme lefty pull hitters. Like, even due to... And Davis's power was more towards uh, right center than it was sort of straight down the line. But Granderson's been able to make some hay there and, and Murphy. And Murphy's just done it off, you know, the three best pitchers in the National League and John Lester. Not bad. Not a bad resume at all. Outside of that, I didn't think Arietta was that bad tonight. I mean, he wasn't obviously at his sharpest, but... No, I mean, he just allowed those three runs. Yeah. All in the first... Settle down after that. But it wasn't enough because Noah Syndergaard came out and shoved. Um, this is what's happening now. Every it doesn't always happen. Doesn't always work out. But every day the Mets play a playoff game, they have a chance to have a starting pitcher go out and just absolutely dominate. That's a good feeling. And I mean, you know, Bobby Jones can run into a one-hitter every once in a while. That's a thing that happens. Hey, do not impugn Bobby Jones' name. I would never in my life impugn Bobby Jones' name. But I'm just saying when Jacob deGrom, Matt Harvey, Stephen Matz, and Noah Syndergaard take the mound, the odds of the game ending with the entire collected throng of Mets fans chanting their name while they finish off a one-hitter is maybe higher than it was for Bobby Jones. 
Just just a little. Just a little. And Syndergaard, you know, had it working tonight. He didn't go super deep into the game, which I, I think was probably the plan was to get him through six, more or less, um, due to his usage patterns recently. And the full game he threw in the bullpen on uh, <laughs> Thursday night, but you know, he looked good. Fastball was there. Command was good. Um, he showed enough with the curve and the change to keep guys off it. And you know, at the end of the day, it's five and two thirds, one run, nine strikeouts. It's hard to argue with that. I we mean, actually had to take that every single time. Yep, we did have to actually see the Mets bullpen tonight in all its bullpenniness. But uh, you know, Tyler Clippard and Addison Reed did their thing and Millie was fine when he remembered to run over to first base on a ball hit to the right side of the infield. And it was fairly low stress. Which is a nice feeling from a Mets bullpen. Yeah. The whole game was fairly low stress. Objectively speaking, not probably while we were all there in the moment at any point in time. It's you know, they're going to Chicago up to Oh, I think we would have taken a split given the pitching matchups for the first two games. We would have signed up for it before the series started. They have Jacob DeGrom going in Game 3 against Kyle Hendricks. you got to like the Mets' chances there with DeGrom and the opportunity to step on the Cubs' throat. And yeah. Man. It's a, it's a good day. Yeah. So... Somebody tweeted this at me on Twitter, and we've had a lot of talk on the show. So one of the themes of the 2015 podcasts have been our uh, our mental state. How are we feeling about the Mets at various points in time? Um, and the, the actual subject of this tweet is, when does it become not just oh this is a great season they're you know they're a year early we didn't expect this it's all sort of playing with house money and it becomes oh fuck this team can win the world series and i think tonight up 2-0 for me it flipped a little bit yeah i mean then one of the announcers on the broadcast said the mets are two games away from the world series and you know let that sink in for a second the mets are two games away from playing in the world series and the problems always come with uh, the problem comes in there with my ability to continue <laughs> to keep a level of ironic detachment from this team, and really from any Mets team as sort of a defense mechanism. Because I want it now. I want the World Series badly, and that's when you get like absolutely crushed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's probably a very mean thing for me to say on the podcast, given the team that they're playing. But, you know, I started rooting for this team in 1987, so functionally I haven't seen a World Series win in my lifetime. Um, and it's just, you know, deserves got nothing to do with it as... Clint Eastwood would say and Unforgiven, but I can't, I want to, I don't know if this team deserves to win the World Series, but I want this team to win the World Series. 
was having a conversation earlier today about if this is the best best fan experience of my lifetime. Uh, you know, 2000 comes up because obviously the 2000 team got to the World Series. The 2015 team has not gotten there yet. But I don't know if it was a really fun team per se. Hmm. And, you know, when they were in the playoffs, I had just started my first semester at Hampshire and it was a complete shit show for a variety of reasons. I wasn't following it as closely. Um, I really sort of sunk into this team, like, day in and day out. And it's true the 2006 team as well, I think, but that was a, you can't really separate that. You know, unfortunately, as far as fan experience goes, you can't separate that team from the way that season ended. Well, I mean, you, you just mentioned 2006, and that is one of the first, if not the first, memories that will come up in, you know, 90% of what people ask. So, here we are. I mean, the Blue Jays can hit home runs against anybody. The Royals have, like, their off-brand Missouri devil magic <laughs> going for them. And the Cubs, I like, that lineup still worries me. But not as much as it used to. No, I mean, having seen, you know, two games now, we've shut, the, we've shut them down. It's not going to be any warmer in Chicago, and the Mets pitchers aren't going to be throwing any softer. Nope. And if the wind's blowing out at Wrigley, it'll help them. Well, it'll help us, too. I mean, right, again, right, and, and Cespedes and Duda, you know, have been a little, uh, not bad. You know, Wright's walking, at least. Cespedes has a couple of, you know, a home run and a couple of hits. I guess Duda's really the only one that's struggling. But, you know, if the wind is blowing out in Wrigley, it helps us too. And it could if it if it lights fire under the asses of those guys, then All I know is it's getting real. Like it's Yeah. And just Yair's familiar keeps coming out every day. <laughs> and you know, I I'm of two minds of this. I guess we should talk about this a little bit. Um I think you gotta win the game that's in front of you. Um, even with a three-run lead. Should Bartolo Colon be able to protect a three-run lead in that spot? Absolutely. Should Hansel Robles be able to protect a three-run lead in that spot? Sean Gilmartin? Sure. Win the game. That's in front of you. He gets a day off built in. I would have liked him to have two. The stuff's a little down. He's not throwing the splitter as much. That could be a function of the cold weather. But again, it's probably not going to be any warmer in Wrigley at game time. It's uh, fucking a man. <laughs> I'm at a loss for words with this team, but I think I'm just sort of fully committed to whatever happens from here on out. Well, it's gonna be something good, so don't worry. You don't need to worry. Always the optimist. <laughs> yeah. I will say I am so looking forward to an actual, like, straight day off. I don't have to write anything. I don't have to podcast anything. I can go to bed at a roughly normal hour tomorrow night. I have to clear everything off my 
away from the windows in my apartment because they're putting in new windows. That's all I have to do. <laughs> it's cool. It's like, as much as I love it and I wouldn't trade the last couple weeks for much else in the world, I just, it's nice to have a breather from baseball for a day. Catch up on some Hulu. Cook dinner. Make some soup. Maybe I'll make a soup tomorrow. It's also warm up later in the week, but it's still going to be cold enough tomorrow. I can make like a... Uh, I'll do a warm broccoli soup. Broccoli and cheese is, is one yeah. of the top three best soups ever. I got a recipe for it that I like. <laughs> now we've just added a new dimension to all of our podcast oh, yeah. emails. Yeah, probably. <laughs> recipe chat. You have a soup recipe out there. You like? I'm always looking for good soup recipes. Stovetop Avenue. Yeah. I made my first chili of the season yet. That might be coming. But I just use uh, Jason Parks up and in chili recipe for that. It always works for me. So. I think my father just got the last of the hot peppers in too out of the garden. So, I can use mm. that. Yeah, I have some basil outside. I need to really bring it in. It's just too cold now. Harvest that. Use it for something. Basil? Uh, I can give you a good drink recipe for basil. Uh, I bet you could. (laughs) (laughs) You need to get a good balsamic vinegar, though. I know it's going to sound weird, but it actually works. I've mostly just been putting it on pizza. I like to buy just dough. Do you have a pizza stone? Uh, I actually do have a pizza stone, yes. My sister got it randomly as a Christmas present from someone. I don't know why. I don't think she ever expressed interest in making pizza, and she doesn't really cook very much. It does help, though. Yeah, yeah. It's like mac and cheese weather, too. I can use the... I'll do the mac and cheese with onion soupy set of Romans 20. (laughs) I like that. Roasting a lot of shallots lately too. I got my wife into that, so now she roasts uh, shallots and pota- with potatoes all the time, which is awesome. Sounds, I like good. I like winter cooking, so they like hearty, one pot yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. That's me spending my day off from baseball. Some kind of fun soup, one pot cooking, something like that. Oh, sounds good. Yeah. I think that's it. I don't have any more recipes to share. You can tell we're loose. We're just kind of like... We're up to nothing in the NLCS. Of course we're loose. Yeah, I guess. It's such a weird feeling. I know. Like, Panic City will never be far away. It's just in our DNA this year, I think. But I don't know, man. Fuck, this team's good. It's every button Terry Collins is pushing is working. John Neese came in <laughs> against Anthony Rizzo, did his little drop-down Laredo thing, and just pumped fastballs by him. And it worked. And it worked. Objectively, that's not supposed to work. No. Hashtag process. <sighs> I mean, it can all end in pain because it can all end in pain. We're Mets fans, we know this, but 
if nothing else, for a brief, glorious week, it has been absolutely wonderful. Sort of reminds you why you're a baseball fan. Like an actual, like, fan of a team. Not just a baseball fan, you know, a actual group of dudes or laundry you throw your hat in with just them and only them and then come what may and most of the time it's terrible but (laughs) occasionally every once in a while you get a year like this and I was thinking the other day I'm like god if I have to do another like 14 podcasts over the next (laughs) 20 days or whatever I'm going to just be a disaster but you know it beats the alternative right I mean it's nice to be able to talk about the Mets in mid to late October and this this thing is is almost a reality here and that's a much nicer uh, alternative than just kind of sitting around talking about some other teams not really caring very much one way or the other who the Mets might have to uh, drop from their 40-man roster after the 60-day DL uh, stints end. Well, those discussions we do like. Yes, we do. <laughs> I, would prefer talk about about, the... I would prefer to talk about Daniel Murphy hitting a home run in four straight playoff games, though. It's definitely... definitely uh, if, I, if I get new, news on those, we'll work them in at the end. It's fine. <laughs> um, you have to do a talk for the World Series anyway, so... And the Mets might be in it. The World Series, that is. Holy shit. I was just uh, daydreaming about taking the day off from work for that parade. So I had to keep my dreams. Let's make those dreams a reality here, guys. Yeah, I saw, I don't remember who it was. One of the beats was joking about, uh, about that in the press box. And it's one of those things where you just wait for like everyone on that Twitter to jump on them for even suggesting that. <laughs> but I think everyone's uh, really loose right now. It's a good place to be for now. Like a change when we're back on Tuesday night, but <laughs> one way or the other, we will be back on Tuesday night with episode one hundred and fifty. It's gonna, it's just gonna go up fast now. There's no way around it. Yeah, the way it is. Because I must keep playing playoff games, and we keep talking about them here on Amazing. Avenue Audio.